Hello and welcome to the Did That Really Happen podcast. Again, it's a podcast where we have an opportunity to sit down with ministers of the gospel or other individuals um, who get an opportunity to talk to us about maybe some of the more crazy, funny, interesting stories that have happened to them over their years. Um, and sometimes it make us, makes us wonder, did that really happen? Are you sure that that's, that's the case, that there's no way that that could have happened? And we have an opportunity to do that today. As always, I'm your host, Caleb Rutherford. And I'm your host, Michael Clark. And we have a privilege and honor uh, that today to be able to sit down with Brother Steve. If you were listening to our podcast a couple of days ago, you know, Steve Higginbotham was with us talking about dealing with the unexpected um, and how he has kind of walked us through his journey with that he has had with cancer over the last year or so. But today we get to kind of take a more lighthearted note and talk about some of the crazier, more funny things that have happened to Steve in his ministry. Um, but before we get to that, Steve, you do have a book that you uh, wrote about maybe some of these kinds of things. Why don't you talk about that for just a moment? Yeah, you know, for years, I have uh, thought that strange things followed me more than the average person. <laughs> and so I, from the time I started preaching 37 years ago, I started writing down like uh, things because I knew I'd forget. Right. I didn't write them down. And so uh, a year or so ago, I, I made a compilation of those into a book. There, there are things that have been dangerous, things that have been weird, things that have been funny, um, just all those kind of things that have happened to me in ministry. And I have a book entitled the De A Day in the Life of a Preacher. And then the subtitle is Confessions of a Gospel Preacher. <laughs> and um, it just tells some of those crazy things that have happened there would be many more stories in it, but um, that'll be have to be printed after I'm uh, deceased. My <laughs> wife can do that. I'm afraid of retaliation. But, uh, anyway, yeah, it's Good it's deal. a funny, lighthearted. I think every preacher should should get it. You know, for sure. a, a good uh, laugh and. Um, anybody actually if you want insight into what's a preacher's life if you think it's a stiff suit um you're mistaken <laughs> that's right that's right now, do it, you have a link to to where it's people could buy that that we could put in our show notes for the listeners you know we um just i guess my email address okay. or okay. my facebook page yeah. we we've sold this uh by ourselves we didn't put it on amazon because of the cost and all that kind sure. of stuff and um so we're just if people contact us, we'll ship it out to them ourselves. Sure. Well, we'll make sure to put that down in the show notes so that people can get that because I, I agree with you. I think everybody needs to get that to laugh. Definitely. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Well, what you got for us today? Well, I mean, if if you want to go through, is that what you're wanting to do? Go through some of the things that have happened? Yeah, what, whatever you want to bring to the table. Well, I'll, I'll mention funerals have been an interesting thing. You know, it's such a solemn occasion. And, but uh, behind the scenes, uh, you know, uh, there, there are funny things that, that go on, uh, strange things. My very first funeral, um, I had only been preaching for about a week, and a young man died in a car wreck, and his mother uh, was just heartbroken. And as I was trying to deliver this funeral, um, they were literally groaning, you know, out loud and almost as loud as I was speaking. It was so distracting. And, and when we got to the funeral, the, the, uh, to the graveside, the mother said, I just want to touch the casket. And so they let go of her so she could reach forward and touch the casket. 
and she jumped on top of it, straddled, you know, it's, it's over the, the, the grave, the open grave on those ropes. And, and she's has straddled over the top of it. And there, all these men are trying to pull her off and, and they drag her away with her toes, dragging behind her back into oh, the, no. the hearse or the, the car that they were driving in. I, it was so disturbing to me. I, you know, I went home and I took a nap. You know, in the middle of the day, it had physically, uh, mentally exhausted me. So a few uh, months later, her sister passed away, the same lady. Oh, no. And uh, this was done in the church building, and and it was an open casket. And, uh, you know, when you get done with your part, you go stand at the head of the casket. And so she came up to the casket for the final viewing, and she said... um, just let me let me hug her uh, one last time. I want to kiss her, and boy, red flags are going off in my mind. Like I remember what happened before, and they let go of her, and she reached under that her sister in the casket and locked her fingers oh, no. and pulled her out of the casket. I mean, her her torso was hanging out over the front of the casket. Her legs were still in it. What? And they couldn't get her fingers unlocked. <laughs> and, I'm, and, and, you know, at the, the head of the casket, while all this is going on, and again, they finally got her loose and got the woman put back in the casket. But I went home and took a little deja vu there. <laughs> yeah. So what? funerals have been interesting. Um, I, I had a funeral once where it was at dusk and that's unusual because they're usually earlier in the right. day. Um, but we had gone to a cemetery and I would ride in the hearse with the funeral director often. We were good friends and I just ride over to the cemetery, wherever it was with him. And we pulled up, we parked under a willow tree, you know, it's kind of eerie looking and it's, it's getting dusk and we do the graveside service and the funeral director said, just go on back to the car and I'll be with you in a minute. So I'm walking back and it's, it's dark and there's that willow tree in the hearse and I get in the front seat. And those of you who have never been in a hearse um, may not realize there's a glass partition behind the, the driver's seat mm-hmm. and the, the back. And while I was sitting there, I thought, well, I need to put my seatbelt on. So I I reached back over my shoulder to reach the seatbelt and the reflection of my hand reaching for the seatbelt. I caught a glimpse of it in that glass um, behind over my shoulder. And it looked like a hand was coming from the back of the hearse uh, to grab me. And I screamed as loud as I could. I threw myself down on the seat to get out of the reach of that hand right as the funeral director opened the door and he said, what are you doing? And I had to explain and he was on the phone. He called everybody he knew before we got back to town telling him what I had done. But um, I've seen too many scary movies to react that way, I guess. That's funny. (laughs) We uh, We had a situation, Brother Steve, at a funeral recently where one of our members' children went into the back, I think, and brought a casket key out and came up to me and said, look what I found. (laughs) And it was not the color of the casket that was in the funeral home of the person we were there to be there for the family. 
And so the only thing that we could think of was that she was probably in the back room where another body was being prepared and had stolen (laughs) the casket key and then brought it to the minister. Oh, my. (laughs) Well, you know, when because I was a preacher, I knew the funeral directors really well and had been there for 21 years and in Glasgow. And and, uh, I went to visit somebody once and I had my daughter with me. She was probably five or six at the time. And so we just went up through the the garage uh, to the upstairs. I knew a back way and didn't have to interrupt things. And and uh, as we were coming back down through the garage, there was a casket in the garage. And I asked my daughter, I said, have, have you ever seen inside of a, a casket before? I know what that's like. <laughs> and so I just went over to the casket to show her the inside, what a casket looks like. There was a body in it. Oh, no. And I, I let the lid drop, you know, scared me half to death. And after years of counseling, I think my daughter's okay now, but, uh, no, uh, but it, it was quite, uh, I, I wouldn't have done that had I known, uh, there was a body. In sure. There, but, did she uh, think you did that on purpose? Body being in a garage. Right. Did, did she think you did that on purpose? No, no, <laughs> I don't, I'm not sure if she saw it. I dropped the lid so fast uh, because it scared me. But, uh, oh, that's good. You know. That's good. Wow. I, I was preaching at a place once right outside of uh, Freed Hardeman. I, I preached for a place every other Sunday. Um, and uh, it was just a small congregation. And I saw a man roll up a book, um, like a Gospel Advocate Foundations book, rolled it up into a you know real tight uh, roll. He got up, I, well, this is while I'm preaching, he got up out of his seat and started walking toward me with his arm raised back like he's going to hit me over the head with it. And he walks up on the pulpit steps and he just keeps coming toward me. And when he got close enough where he could hit me, he swung and he hit the pulpit and I startled and I just looked at him and he said, wasp. That's all he said. Just one word. And then he went and sat back down, but scared the life out of me that he had seen a wasp and decided that was the right time to, to kill that wasp. But, oh my. Uh, that's the second wasp story. Well, I guess in the row of these episodes, there'll be another, uh, another, did that really happen in a few weeks where another, another wasp story comes up. So, <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. I was preaching in Ohio once and um, in the middle of my sermon, a guy got up and he walked very, very quickly toward me. And I, I didn't know what was going on. And he was like waving at me, like, don't let me bother you. So I, I didn't figure he was after me or anything, but um, he reached between my legs and there was a valve under the, the pulpit and he turned this valve off. And I just kept pre. I don't know what I said. It was very distracting, but I just kept preaching and he went back to his seat. And after church, I said, what, 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 what were you doing? And he said, well, I left the baptistry water running. I was filling the baptistry. And I just remembered it when it started to run over the front of the, the baptistry. I saw that it was starting. And so I had to come up and turn the valve off and I suggested they might want to move their valve rather than, you know, coming up and uh, uh, reaching between my legs while I'm preaching. 
that that was uh quite distracting um we had a well the, this is interesting we had a guy the the very first uh place we worked we had a house right by the the church building and uh, it had a crawl space underneath it and when winter came we had to go i had to crawl under there and and light the um furnace and when I crawled under there, I found out that one of our church members had dug out a little cubby hole underneath our bedroom and was um, hanging out. Um, he had a light oh and he had magazines and he had a little chair down there <laughs> and he was just hanging out under our, our house, under our bedroom. And, uh, you know, I had to have an awkward conversation telling him stay out from under our house. I mean, who has to do that? But, uh, you know, we, we did. Um, how did you know who it was? Well, I, I caught him. I, okay. I knew who he was okay. and oh. we, we had caught him. Like we'd wake up in the morning and he'd have his head pressed against the window with his hands, you know, looking in and uh we we caught him in our garage before uh, you know and just it just it was strange yeah oh my um one of the the scarier things that that happened to me is i was uh preaching in alabama on an occasion in in um huntsville and i had just arrived and i sat down well reed swindle was the youth minister at that time mm. and and Reed and I were talking. He had he had spent two years as my intern prior to this, and so no sooner than I sat down in Reed's office, uh, a guy comes to the door and he's pointing a gun at us. He has a <laughs> bandana and a hoodie covering himself up, and and he said, "Give me all your money." And I said, I laughed and said, Reed, you're not getting me on this. You know, I thought he was pulling a joke on me. It was one of his guys in yeah. his youth group or something. <laughs> and like Reed's going, no, I'm not, I'm not joking. And, uh, I, and he said it again. I said, give me your money. And again, I laughed and I said, I'm not falling for this. <laughs> and Reed then stepped in and said, here, you can have my money. And, um, you know, so uh, Reed's handing over his money to this guy. And then I was looking at the gun and the gun was real. And I realized from Reed's reaction, this was real. And oh, so he, he ended up taking uh, my money as well. And uh, he stood in the doorway and looked back at us, pointing the gun between our heads. You know, he just kept moving it back and forth. And he said, I hate to do this. And I thought, all right, here we go. This, you know, we, we were going to be killed, but I, I guess he meant he hated to rob us. Yeah. Uh, but with that, he took off running. And uh, then I had to preach three times uh, oh, wow. after all that. Um, <laughs> the detectives uh, in between my sermons would come and interview me. Um, and between one of those sessions, they said, what kind of pistol did he have? And I said, who told you he had a pistol? It looked more like a cannon to me when I was looking at it uh, because it was, he had it pointed right at us. And he uh, eventually went on and, and shot a pharmacist um, either the later that day or the next day. I, I don't remember, but uh, it was uh, quite an ordeal. I was thankful my children didn't go with me. They wanted to go with me, and uh, at the last minute, they didn't. So I, I'm glad they didn't, but... 
Oh my. Yeah. Man. I'm um, glad you didn't push the issue and act like it still wasn't real. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. Yeah. I know. I, I tell Reed, he probably saved my life because I, I thought the whole thing was a joke and up until that point. But, um, <laughs> That's crazy. Uh, I, I, you know, one of the, there are people who seem so normal um, until you visit and then you, you see that <laughs> I went to visit a preacher and his wife on one occasion, and they were among the upstanding uh, members of this congregation. And And I, I sat down at their, their table, and we were talking, and they said, uh, we, we want to tell you something. Um, our daughter-in-law is a witch. And I said, <laughs> oh, okay. And he said, yeah, she, she practices um, – this, this, uh, you know, black arts or whatever. And he said, like last night where you're sitting, she was sitting and before my wife's and before my eyes, she literally turned into a wolf. And I said, well, you, you mean like she was just really screaming at you or something, you know, and he said, no, no, no. She was literally, she transformed into a wolf. This is a preacher that I had, you know, respect for, never would have dreamed. And, and so, you know, I was just like looking for a way to get out of the house. And, uh, you know, um, you know, shared delusions because his wife said it too. You know, she said she literally turned into a wolf, but, uh, that was an interesting experience. No doubt. Oh, man. Yeah. Um, one of the funnier things that happened, to, speaking of preachers, is uh, I was friends with a very well-known preacher. and I went over to his house uh, one day to, to visit him. I, I pulled up behind his house, and he was smoking a cigar or, or a pipe. And he obviously did not want me to know that he smoked a, a pipe. And so <laughs> I, I looked away from him, you know, as I was pulling my car up to his garage. And so when I got out of the car, his pipe is gone. And uh, so I was talking to him about a book that, that I had come over to pick up. And, and um, as we're talking, I'm thinking, what did he do with that pipe? He was sitting there with, he had a bucket of cement and he was uh, repairing his uh, concrete uh, sidewalk. And I was thinking, where did he put that pipe? And all of a sudden I saw smoke coming up out of that bucket of, uh, you know, concrete (laughs) mix. And uh, I I stayed long enough to make him uncomfortable, you know, about the the burning concrete. Um, But he shoved his good pipe i guess oh man that bucket of cement i wonder if he pulled it out from me (laughs) (laughs) oh Oh, man that's funny and this is just the tip of the iceberg right like this is oh it just keeps going yes um Fried Hardeman asked me to preach on Satanism. I think it was like on the lectureship in wow. 2005, uh, somewhere around in there. And uh, shortly after that, I got calls from people across the brotherhood, some of my friends saying that uh, the Church of Satan 
had put me on or published my name on a hit list. And uh, it was a satanic hit list that said to kill on sight. Oh, wow. And my name was uh, among others that was on that list. And that's kind of an eerie feeling to know your name's out there for people to kill. I guess they haven't uh, been successful thus far. Yeah. No, no, they haven't. Yeah. Um. I went to lunch one time. I was preaching at a place, and um, the 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 family that took me out to lunch after uh, we went to their house after services, and it was a very nice family. And uh, they had a, an elderly grandmother that uh, lived there at the house with them, and she had dementia. And uh, they seated me beside her at the table. And so the, the man of the house led the prayer for the, the food. And while I was sitting there, I felt my napkin being pulled off of my leg. And it was that lady sitting next to me. She, she stole my napkin. And, and then she reached over and took my silverware. And, you know, I'm, I, my eyes are open because I felt her steal my napkin. And then while I had my head still bowed, she took all my silverware and she hid it all in her lap. So when the prayers finished and they're passing the food around, I, you know, I took out my portions, but, um, I couldn't eat, you know, because, uh, she'd taken all my utensils and I didn't want to, you know, say, Hey, your, your grandmother over here stole my silverware. You know? So, uh, you know, after a while they realized I was just sitting there and, uh, they said, Oh, I forgot to place your uh, silverware out. I'm sorry. And she went and got me some more, but, uh, there she, the, the lady sat with a satisfied look on her face. <laughs> With my silver one. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Oh, oh man. But, um, well, let's see. I, I'm trying to think of some of the things that, uh, yeah, I, my, my wife just whispered to me, baptism. Um, <laughs> I, I've had some really strange, well, this is, this is bad, but I'll go ahead and tell it. But it was my last day in uh, my first work, we had uh, packed up our moving truck and we're ready to leave town. And I got a phone call from the next town down, uh, the preacher. And he said, there's a lady, she's in her nineties and she's an invalid and my back is out and I need somebody to baptize her. And I said, well, that's fine. I can, I can do that. And he said, I'll bring her down to your building and so I um, met her in the car and she had no use of her legs. And uh, so I picked her up kind of like a, a, a groom would carry a bride across the threshold. You know, I had her like that, carried her into the room where she needed to get changed. And my secretary was there and she helped this lady get changed and when she was ready, I, I came into the room and picked her up the same way, like a groom carries his bride, walked down into the waters. And um, I was trying to get her to stand, you know, get her legs upright. And of course she, she had no, she was just like, she was sitting on top of the water. Her legs were out just floating on the water. And I was trying to get her to where her, she was in an upright position and I was maneuvering her. I couldn't get her, you know? So finally I just like threw my leg over top of her legs 
and and pinned her legs down. And and so she was kind of more upright then. And I thought, all right, well, good. And but she had like grasped, uh, clasped her hands behind my neck. (laughs) And like I couldn't unless I wanted to go under all the way with her, you know, I needed to get her hands loose. So I grabbed both of her wrists and I pulled and got her hands loose from around my neck. And so I was just holding her there by her wrists and I had her feet pinned down by my leg. And so I just decided to do just plunge her, you know, and, and so I just plunged her and I pulled her back up and then I had to real quickly let go of her left, her right wrist and move my arm under her legs, you know, to, to get her back in that groom bride position. And so when I do that, I do it real quickly and my hand went up inside of her, uh, baptismal garment and that was horrible. And um, so, but I, I've just got to get her out of the water at this point. And I start walking back up the steps and she began to scream. She was going, Oh, and I said, what, what? And she said, you're standing on my catheter. I had no idea. I had not seen it. I looked down and sure enough, I was standing on her catheter. Oh no. And I stepped on it one more time before I got her seated into her chair. Oh no. And, uh, it was just, and the first thing out of her mouth, when she sat down, she said, I, I chew, uh, uh, tobacco. Just mean I'm going to have to quit chewing tobacco. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I always tell people, I don't know what my answer was because, you know, they say that when you've gone through a traumatic situation, <laughs> you, you don't remember something, yeah. you blank amount. Uh, that's, that's kind of the way it was, but you know, everybody about an hour later, I finally got home and Kim, <laughs> I was soaking wet and Kim said, where have you been? And I said, let's just get out of town before I get arrested. <laughs> and, uh, off we went. But, uh, you know, everybody remembers yeah. their, their baptism. And I get, I reckon she probably remembers her for some other reasons that, <laughs> that others yeah. might remember theirs. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, well, Steve, we really appreciate you being on the podcast, man. I, I hate to take up more of your time, but I, I know you've got, you know, hundreds of, of, yeah. of other stories. But again, we certainly uh, would push people in the direction of, uh, of buying that book. Um, definitely details a lot more things, um, that we could ever say on a podcast. Um, so definitely recommend that book. That'll be in our show notes below. Steve, we are really grateful uh, that you took time to be with us today. Um, and also earlier, um, for the, uh, for the through their eyes podcast, appreciate all the work that you're doing. And hopefully I think we might try to have you on a little bit, uh, a little bit later on with some other special content we've got going on. I think we're going to reach out to you then. Um, we've got some other ideas, but again, we're grateful that you took time to be with us today. Oh, I've, I've enjoyed it. I really appreciate the invitation. Absolutely. And I, I would like to have a picture of your Palomalu wig with you wearing it. Yeah. <laughs> Steve, Steve and I are big Steelers fans and I've seen pictures on Facebook of him at games wearing the Palomalu wig. And so that, uh, 
that alone lets you know how good of a cut up Steve is. So, <laughs> yeah. but we appreciate you, brother. Um, thank you. Absolutely. Well, to our listeners, we're grateful that you've been listening to us. Thank you so much for your support. As always, all of our social media links are in our show notes below. If you need, if you have any questions, uh, certainly reach out to us through email. You can email us at the scattered abroad network at gmail.com, or you can DM us on any of our social media platforms. Also, if you can, as always leave us any kind of rating or review on whatever platform it is that you use to listen to our podcast. That certainly would help us out greatly. Again, we're so thankful for you and for your listening and for for being a part of this podcast, and we'll catch you next week. Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Scattered Abroad Network. If you would like to email us, you can do so at thescatteredabroadnetwork at gmail.com. That's thescatteredabroadnetwork at gmail.com. Remember, you can check the show notes below for all of our social media platform links. Also, don't forget that you can find us on all major podcast platforms and please leave us a rating or review. We hope and pray that this has helped you grow closer to Christ even though we are scattered abroad. May God bless you.